Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sing to the Lord, give praise to his name. For he will rescue the life of the weak and the needy from the hands of the wicked. And this is the very word of our God as it is found in today's Old Testament lesson from Jeremiah chapter 20. Well, most of you have been on a job interview before. And when you go on a job interview, they ask you all kinds of questions. And one of the questions they probably ask you at some point is this, what are your strengths? And uh, then, of course, they ask the opposite question. Some of them do. What are your weaknesses? And, and how do you answer that question? You know, you can be truthful and honest and hope that the interviewer uh, recognizes your honesty and your humility and doesn't use that against you. But it's difficult. Some people don't want to answer that. Some people skirt the issue. Some people try to accentuate the positive. Again, most of us don't want to talk about or even admit our weaknesses. Certainly kids don't want to admit that they're weak. And so do adults. They don't want to admit that they're weak, that they're struggling with something in their life. But, you know, when you look at the word weak in the Bible, it seems to me that it appears that weakness can be an advantage spiritually. While the strong are too proud to admit that they're weak and in need of help, the weak often seem to possess a quality, a different kind of strength, a humility that rejoices in the aid of one who is far more powerful than they. In fact, there's many examples of that in Scripture. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says, For the sake of Christ... When I am weak, then I am what? Strong. Or what about these words from Romans chapter 5, verse 16? Paul again writes, For while we were yet weak, or the word there, sinners, Christ at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. These passages, again, emphasize God's strength and God's power versus human helplessness in sin. And it is in Jesus, in His very nature as God and man, literally as God, He brings together not only the power of God, but the weakness of man in Himself in order to defeat sin, death, and the devil. The problem in our world, though, is that it rebels against God because it refuses to recognize its weakness in sin. How many times haven't we quoted 1 John? If we say we have no sin, we fool ourselves and the truth is not in us. God wants the whole world to receive His reconciling love. And yet, so-called man, self-made man, really deceives himself into believing that he doesn't really need God's strength. But you know what? God is, God's grace is so big, it is so huge, that God gives us the freedom to walk away from His grace. When we walk away from God's grace, it grieves God. How does it grieve God? It grieves Him when we fail to heed His Word. It grieves God when we fail to receive what we desperately need from Him. 
Isn't it true that a sinful world idolizes freedom? Free choice. Free choice sometimes gives us the illusion that we're in control of our own destiny. And the only thing that breaks that illusion is when we are faced with life and death issues and the thought of death. The lesson for today takes us to the book of Jeremiah, specifically Jeremiah chapter 20. It's all about a people who boasted in their own strength, a people who find themselves trapped like a rat, and yet they still see no need for God's help. We find ourselves at a time in world history where three major powers are vying for world supremacy. For 300 years, the Assyrians to the north with their capital in Nineveh, remember Jonah? They were the world power. They were the ones who carried the big stick, so to speak. But now their reign was coming to an end. And the people from Babylon to the south were gaining more and more power, as were the people of Egypt farther to the south. And guess who was caught in the middle? The people of God. Most of Israel had already fallen victim to these world powers. Even most of Judah. They suffered defeat after defeat. Many of them had already been killed or toted off into captivity. And the only ones who remained were the people of Jerusalem. And yet, still, the people of Jerusalem ignored the warning of the prophet of God. They ignored the warning to repent of their sin, to repent of their idolatry and their wickedness. Literally, again, the handwriting was on the wall. The hour of doom was about to strike. Jeremiah, as God's prophet, had the word of God. He had exactly what the people needed for salvation. And Jeremiah couldn't keep God's word to himself. The people needed what Jeremiah had, but again, they didn't want it. And they attempted to silence Jeremiah. They attempted to silence the word of God. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds exactly what Jesus dealt with in his ministry. Throughout his ministry, the religious leaders attempted to silence him, even to the point that they sought to rid the world of him by crucifying him, silencing him once and for all. Jeremiah and Jesus have much in common. You know, for the children of Israel at that time, religion was little more than uh, externals. It was little more uh, than simply going through the motions. You know, the people of Israel thought that God would always be on their side because they went to church every once in a while on the high holy days. They went through the motions of offering a sacrifice here and there. And because they did these things, they believed that God would be always on their side. Of course, this approach to religion was totally false because it revealed an all-too-common work righteousness type of attitude. Hey, God, I was in church on Christmas and Easter. Therefore, God, my work righteousness, you owe me. Again, it revealed this idea that they put their hope in themselves rather than in God. Their actions were idolatrous. But it gets even worse than that. 
They also worshipped other gods. They worshipped false gods like the god of Baal. And Baal demanded that they bring their infants and their children to this altar at Baal and to have their children sacrificed to this false god called Baal. Again, don't believe it. Listen to what the archaeologists have found. In recent years, they have found the jars, the jars, the clay jars filled with the ashes of the remains of thousands upon thousands of children that were burnt and sacrificed. Sort of sounds familiar to what is going on today. The worship of idols in our culture. No respect for those who have no voice. Those who are not old enough to stand up and speak up for themselves. It's to be expected the people were irritated with Jeremiah. One of the guys who was so irritated with him was the guy who was the CEO of the temple. His name was Pashur. Pashur heard what Jeremiah had prophesied, and so he had him beaten, put in stocks, thrown into jail overnight. The next day when Jeremiah was released from prison, what would he do? Would he keep quiet? Absolutely not. He continued to proclaim the Word of God. Some people call this the Jeremiah factor. I like to think that Jeremiah was an all-pro prophet. An all-pro prophet. He just couldn't keep quiet. There was this fire in his bones, this zeal, you know, that he had to share God's word, God's saving word with the people who were dying. You know, this fire in one's bones kind of reminds me of what took place a few weeks ago on the day of Pentecost. Again, the disciples received this fire in their bones. They could not keep quiet. They had to tell other people. They had to get up and go. And yet, how easy it is to become comfortable. Jeremiah was not only dealing with the people who were arrogant, who boasted in themselves, but Jeremiah was dealing with his own set of issues. Jeremiah was dealing with his own weaknesses. So what does he do? You know, Jeremiah reflected upon his God-given work, and he became discouraged. You know, he believed that no one was listening, that not one person had been brought to repentance. And so Jeremiah literally cried and he grieved over the people that God had called him to share the word of God. Again, it reminds me of Jesus. What does Jesus do on Palm Sunday? He rides into town. He looks down upon the city and what does he do? He weeps for it. He wept for it because he knew that in 40 years the enemies of God's people would come in and destroy them. How he longed to gather them under his wings and protect them, but they would have no part of it. Jeremiah was mad. In the last part of that lesson, he's mad at God. He lashes out at God. God, you've deceived me. He complained that not one single word had made any difference. And on top of that, every day he had faced insults. People were telling lies about him. He tried to stop preaching, but he couldn't. 
because the living word of God compelled him and it overpowered him. You know, to be honest with you, you know, I felt that way before and I'm sure many of you have felt that way as well. You know, when I think about my own weakness, when I think that, you know, ministry, my ministry isn't making any difference, when I focus on myself and my weaknesses instead of focusing on God's strength, I can picture God saying to me, get over it. Get over it. Because Jesus Christ is your adequacy. You know, look at the Bible. God can use anybody... Anybody to reach anybody. I saw that again this weekend, Vacation Bible School. You know, the Bible is filled with uh, saints and ain'ts. The Bible is filled with saints and sinners. God can use anybody. Think about Paul, or what about Samuel, or Jonah, or Job, and the list goes on and on and on. When I want to have a pity party for myself, God says, get over it. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ. You know, Jeremiah had the assurance that God was going to be with him through persecution, through insults, through lies, no matter what. And you know what? We have an even greater promise than what Jeremiah had. Because you and I live on the other side of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You and I know the rest of the story, so to speak. We know that God's almighty power accomplishes a great victory in the most unusual and many times in the weakest places. Think about, could there be any place weaker than hanging on a cross at Golgotha? Har hurling insults at him, lies at him, and yet there on the cross, he is paying the price, winning the victory for us. Or what about a tomb? Talk about a weak place, a helpless place, but there on Easter Sunday morning, he literally kicks down the doors of death and sin for our release. A lot of people look at this church and churches in general as a weak place, as a place for people like yourself who can't take care of yourself, your weaklings, and yet here in this house of God... God's word does incredible work. Faith comes by hearing. It is in the weakest places, even what people will think of in the waters of baptism, where God works a victory, where God acts on our behalf, not us acting on ourselves. So the big question for us today is this. What are we to do? Put yourself in Jeremiah's shoes. It's tempting for us to ignore the problems in our nation. It's tempting for us to ignore the problems in our community, in our churches, and even in our homes. We are tempted to sit back and say, what can one person do? We are tempted to look the other way. But the truth of the matter is, God has called us to go. He's called us to go with his word. He has called us to go with that word that has this two-pronged message. It is a word of warning. It is the law. It is a call to repentance. But it is also the gospel. 
It is that message of reconciliation that God has called us to share with one another. Like Jeremiah, we cannot ignore the wrong and say, you know what, eventually everything will be all right. We have been entrusted with the word of God, God's life-saving word to share it. And may there be a zeal in our bones as well. Because we have been redeemed by Christ, we have this new life. And like Jeremiah, we can't help but share it. We can't help but arise and go. God promises that he's going to be with us. God promises that he's going to speak through us. And he grants us the power and the authority to do this. In his name we ask it. Amen.